Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Central Division Hockey presents a September look at last season and a look ahead after free agency as the team shape up their rosters for the 2022-23 NHL season with, of course, our focus on the eight teams that make up the Central Division. The September series continues with Winnipeg's gaslighting expectations gone on for way too long. To define how I'm using gaslighting, the Jets' organization continually overpromising the competitiveness of the team on ice product to loftier heights and expectations than the results end up being. The actions don't meet the words and the fan base received more of this this offseason. And organizational promises for a team that isn't constructed at present to be a playoff team to be one. Winnipeg's lone deep conference run is how the market, team and fan base, evaluate success. That's the Jet 2.0 benchmark for success. By last year's season start, the lone D-man that experienced that run was left-hand defenseman Josh Morrissey. And if you don't want to admit Winnipeg has player retention issues, just stop listening now. Stay in the gaslighting narrative this organization operates under when the facts show otherwise. Dustin Bufflin's early retirement choice, notwithstanding, retirement to Toby Enstrom, who was fading to bottom pair value by that 2017-18 season run, and really best suited as below the best playable six available by that point of his career, aside. What was in control was somehow retaining minimally Ben Sherratt, who took more money by a half million to a million to sign in Montreal, as well as subsequently letting Vancouver outbid for Tyler Myers and Tucker Pullman, all while knowing right-hand defenseman Jacob Truba was never signing long-term in Winnipeg, and while relative unknown Neil Pionk has top four value as a defenseman as a trade return, while it's hardly fair value when Truba and Morrissey as a top pairing worked, and no one since... Pionk included, has worked with Morrissey. It's devalued Winnipeg's best defenseman Morrissey over his prime years simply due to GM ineptitude by Kevin Shoveldayoff. One might be inclined to start calling him GM all day off. Excluding the retired Bufflin and Enstrom, that D group of Sherratt, Myers, Pullman, and Dmitry Kulikov additionally, all are NHL regulars on different teams and in some cases may be paid higher than their realized value, but not by much. But Winnipeg simply not retaining Sherratt or Pullman among them explains to me the continuity issue that watched this team defensively regress 
ever since. Now, I'm not saying getting into a bidding war, but in-season extensions before players tested the open market or trading them before they do test the open market for minimally organizational future pick assets. Well, Winnipeg's one-for-one Truba deal and getting their own first-rounder back doesn't count to me. And that's the only piece from this whole 5D group of that 2017-18 not named Josh Morrissey still actually playing in the NHL currently group departed. Pionk for Truba and getting your own first back for the one-off first round loss with Kevin Hayes. Everyone else didn't resign and walked away from that benchmark team. The prime years of Sherrod and younger bottom pair capable Pullman staying, or Myers even, with instead of Morrissey alone to build around with ample prospects and a trade or two that would have kept Winnipeg's window to win open. The GM didn't value it or getting anything for the players that went to a conference final and moved on over a two-year span. Like hedging ill-advised bets, Logan Stanley could potentially be what Tyler Myers already was playing value-wise. The size of Sherratt and Pullman additionally had void from the group, and if you're surprised by the regression, it's a D group that isn't constructed properly in its place to have success. Last year's additions still make it hard to put out three pairings that truly complement an overabundance of well too much of one of the two elements that make for a good NHLD pairings. Winnipeg does one of those parts really well. The Morrissey, Pionk, Vili Hinola, even remember Sammy Niku, and prior Toby Enstrom in his prime, and save for Dustin Bufflin, they don't draft or identify through trade and other complementary D needed for those gifted puck movers to fully have success. And if you think of when Enstrom had his best years, it was with Bufflin, Morrissey's best with Truba, and well, Sherratt isn't that level. He would have been better second pair on his left-hand natural D side with Pionk or on his offhand right-hand D side with Morrissey than either of those two have had as a D partner option since. And how bad the D group retention masks the fact Winnipeg's forward group has also been in regression all the while too because of the same player retention issues and don't tell me about the team identity issues of a year ago what needed to occur was a reset on the construction of the roster and that isn't happening winnipeg wants to be a playoff team i won't be picking them to be one even if they do add the pieces they actually need and send some players that need to go along the way i'm not interested to see what winnipeg does but with bedard in play they missed an opportunity of just keeping a small core and doing a quick refuel to build around that core generational draft opportunity. The upcoming season was the season to do it. Improvements either by addition or subtraction as we look at this team for next year? None. No personal disrespect for Sam Gagne or David Riddick. More real status quo or regression positionally everywhere in Winnipeg that remains. Even a new coach buy-in doesn't have this team more than playoff bubble mentions and whispers at that. It's not championship level built. Yet, for all the organizational puffery, the Jets continue to creep further from that end goal. Breakaway time and back with more. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. 
We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. G3 Assistance through Virginia's Community Colleges is your pathway to a new future. Helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. You can learn more at virginiag3.com. Let's break down the Winnipeg roster for next season as it currently is constructed. In net, fact remains goalie Connor Hellebuck, 29, is too good for a team to be able to tank with. He is a building piece, but also would have garnered a massive return in trade in his prime years. The $6.1 million per two-year deal remaining Vesna winner is a guy you keep to build out from, but Winnipeg hasn't demonstrated the ability to do it for him. Heck, they decimated the decor in front of him and basically have made him have to overcompensate to cover up for that reality. It's strange that fans were in moments hard on Hellebuck's play a year ago, like Winnipeg's issues are so far removed from having next to Tampa Bay's Vasilevsky, one of the few capable workhorse NHL starters that exist. It's dumbfounding. Kept saying to friends who were Jets fans, you should all see what tanking teams put in goal. It's not close to the kind of level and consistency Hellebuck gives the Jets as the team really in front of them has undergone a real regression that no one wants to admit. Hellebuck, on an average to off night, is better than 20-plus NHL teams drop out as the last line of defense in net because those lesser goalies is all they have. So here's a short list for Winnipeg fans to avoid criticism of. Hellebuck, Morrissey, Pionk, Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, and Adam Lowry. Winnipeg being lottery-level bad, however, isn't really possible with Hellebuck, nor is he anywhere near to what's needed to be and hasn't been fixed. Winnipeg walked low-cost backup Eric Comrie 26 to unrestricted free agency by simply not giving him enough games to keep him restricted free agent. That cost Winnipeg as Buffalo signed Comrie to a $1.8 million per two-year deal, losing a goalie that Hellebuck liked as his backup. And sure, it's too rich for Winnipeg, but it didn't have to be that way. However, Winnipeg knew it wouldn't put Comrie's AAV that high, as they were worried his restricted free agency with Arbrights would come higher than they wanted to pay for backup goaltending. And while $1.8 million per is a touch over $1.5 million, on what planet are you not having that assigned cost for your backup? Because let's be honest, that's what it should cost, $1.5 to $2.5 million per. Instead, it's unrestricted free agent David Riddick, 29, as a 900 k one-year replacement, down from the $1.25 million he was paid in Nashville that was slightly below good backup value. Trouble is, part of Riddick's not returning to Nashville was in his limited use behind UC Soros, and that likely will be an issue in Winnipeg, 
more so behind Hellebuck, just as that game's played behind UC Saros was sparse usage that led to, for Riddick, few to no quality starts. You get what you pay for, and in Winnipeg case, it's a low-cost backup. Trouble is, unless Riddick returns to Calgary Day's form that are getting far removed, presently it's a downgrade on both Laurent Brassois lost in free agency last year to Vegas, and Comrie lost in free agency this year. And he seems to require, Riddick does, seeing the net more to play better, but with Hellebuck, much like Soros, why would you offer him that? Big Civ Dave was blown out of the water by Colorado in Game 1 of the playoffs, and Nashville turned to rookie Connor Ingram to finish out their series loss because of Saros' injury this past year, and he was a better choice. Riddick is likely to see limited use and be ineffective as a backup as his numbers in Nashville were. Maybe that's 900k more to keep Comrie that would have been money well spent on again a draft and developed player Winnipeg simply didn't map out the cap space to keep. And what of the savings? That's so negligible to put towards something else that doesn't affect your win-loss record, especially as the positive impact that having a good backup goalie can affect it. That's on the GM. It's a fail. The money excuse isn't even warranted. Cap Friendly has Winnipeg at $76.9 million with just over $5.5 million in cap space. Again, 900k difference to have kept team-valued, originally-drafted, prime-aged goalie and legit-great individual and instead go with a struggling older goalie for less when putting him into the same scenario he struggled with last year and expecting better results. The buzz on goalie Mikel Burden, 24, has worn off, but I still won't write him off. In fact, a big return in dealing Helly and having both Burden and Comrie to try and finish low enough for Bedard, I would have seriously explored this offseason. Winnipeg didn't. As it is, Burden, like Nashville's Ingram, needs to make the NHL roster or clear waivers to remain on the team. He's another candidate that, given his age, that isn't assured if goalies get injured on other teams as camp's coming to an end. In fact, I hope it's Burden, not Riddick, backing up Hellebuck as it is. Doubtful, given Winnipeg's draft and develop for everyone else's NHL team model. Winnipeg has needed a top pair right-hand defenseman for I've lost count the years. I'm over talking about it. Neil Pionk, 26, 5.88 million, three years left, had a down year, and he has top four second pair value. Trouble is, left shot right-hand defense playable, Nate Schmidt. 30 at 5.95 million three years wasn't the answer and didn't really fit the Winnipeg D group to compliment anyone already on the team. Similar players and similar current value. Dylan DeMello, 29, is an expensive bottom pair defenseman. Near 15 million as a trio, and it's DeMello who played best when paired with Winnipeg's top pair left-hand defenseman, Josh Morrissey, 27. And that was adequate, but it's not elite. Arguably, two of the three right-handy and a left-handy right shot playing Schmidt, Pionk, and DeMello are the three I'm saying two need to be moved on from. The D size came in left-hand defenseman Brendan Dillon, 31 at 3.9 million, and Logan Stanley, 24 at 900K. However, speed and puck-moving skills and limited net front 
present D from the two meant less value. Dylan looked decent with Pionk. Stanley struggled even in a bottom pair roll. It's expected prospects on the left-hand D side. Villa Hinola, 21, to graduate up. But who are you playing him with to find success is worrisome. And whose spot on this D can he take? Dylan Sandberg, 23. Although it's lesser-known prospect Dylan Chisholm, 22, that fits best what Winnipeg's D group actually needs an injection of. Hanola, like Morrissey, Pionk, and Schmidt, is a whole lot of skating, puck-moving talent that still all need complementing players as D-partners to function. No one gets it. That hell, Winnipeg should just do it for people to see it won't work finally. That's right. Play three left-handed defensemen and your one right-hand defense puck mover Pionk, all top four based on solely skating and skill. Look, new head coach Rick Bonus knows better not to do that, but just I want fans to see a 20-game stretch of what that with Riddick as your last line of defense, and shit, the draft lottery would be super attainable. Have J-Mo with Schmidt and Hanola with Pionk as your top four or mix and match, and I hope you don't get stuck having to defend in your own zone. Sandberg, by the way, hasn't played a full season. I question how he handles the first season he does when he is healthy enough to, in fact, play a full pro season. That similar injury issue is why St. Louis moved on from Jake Wellman. Absolute potential, top four development curve, that injury time, hadn't got him to even being an everyday NHL defenseman value. Right shot Johnny Kosevic, 25, also deserves a look. Word is, it's Dylan in trade talks, but honestly, it's Dylan I'd retain and move the more costly Schmidt and two costly bottom pair to Mello with Stanley going. That's the direction I would take. File under not happening. Winnipeg needs to find a natural side right-hand defense top pair partner for Josh Morrissey, keep left-hand defense Dillon for Pionk on the second pair, and promote Hanoa and Sandberg on the left-hand bottom pair with a low-cost bet like right-hand defenseman Anton Strowman at less than half the Mello's price tag and actually play 11-7 as a group to shelter Hanola but get him second power play unit minutes. None of this will happen. Who knows if they trade anyone away or add to the Steger. One thing I know, it isn't constructed properly as it is, and to simply gaslight fans they should expect better results isn't something that I buy into. Pionk should rebound fair, but that is only a percentage of how badly constructed the pieces of this D group fit together. Not hating, for example, on Schmidt, but a team that already has Morrissey, Pionk, and Hanola on the way, well, that team doesn't need near to $6 million tied up in Schmidt. There's your Comrie 900 k money over Riddick's contract and an under 4 to $5 million comparable stay-at-home top 4 D. That would make Winnipeg better. Winnipeg added bottom pair NHL everyday capable left-hand defenseman Kyle Capel Bianco, 24, unrestricted free agent, Arizona, into this mix. If I was Arizona, I would have probably retained him. Good skater, size, and decision-making puck-moving defenseman when healthy. Kind of a hidden NHL bottom pair entering his prime gem, actually. Simply not overpriced as DeMello is now. 
the free Hanola crowd didn't like the left-hand decrowded side, and it is, and can someone take a snow shovel, tuck it away till winter, and hit Chevy over the head with it, there needs to be a top pair shot right-hand D. At this point, another NHL-capable right shot right-hand defenseman is a requirement. Point is, Capio Bianco is more ready to be an NHL everyday regular than Stanley is based on the speed that Winnipeg should play at. However, the team having them both also gives Hanola and Sandberg a real tough go of making the roster. And it's not a substantive upgrade. Really, Capio Bianco is a more reliable, low-cost Nathan Beaulieu replacement seventh guy that I chart ahead of Stanley, but who knows internally how Winnipeg views it. Also, low-cost right-shot defenseman Johnny Kosiavek, 25, and Leon Gawanki, 23, options available internally, also have me think parting ways with Schmidt or DeMello is essentially better cap space use, but parting with both to get a right-shot top pair D is where the money to do it would be found. I could live with Kosiavek on the bottom pair with, say, Capio Bianco, and 8.95 million for a top pair defensively sound 6 million right hand D and match the 1.8 million Comrie offer to keep him on the roster while not spending 900k on Riddick at all and still have added cap flexibility. Restricted free agent Gawanki's new 750k one year deal does keep him a restricted free agent after this year. The other part of going with an 11 forward 7D set is that like former coach Paul Maurice, new head coach Rick Bonus prefers to play and roll four lines. Both the new coach and the former are on record that they like the 12 forward D6 lineup. That's their preference. So don't expect that Hanola 7D usage, Winnipeg dressing 7D, as I suggested, to be a real option considered by Winnipeg. Breakaway time and back with more. Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months, now through December 2nd. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. The Louisiana Swamplands. Out here, you're either lunch or you're enjoying it. Make sure you end up on top with the all-powerful lineup of Kia SUVs, like the Telluride, Sportage, and Sorento, equipped with available all-wheel drive, higher ground clearance, and the interior capacity to bring everything you need. So you'll always remain more than a gator's length ahead. Visit your local Kia dealer today to find your next adventure in our ever-capable lineup of SUVs. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. The forward group doesn't have additions except for low-cost vet Sam Gagne so far. In fact, the roster at present isn't as good as the opening day one of a year ago because you have to subtract Andrew Kopp, 28, Paul Stastny, 36, and Yevgeny Sveshnikov, 25. Now, Kopp, of course, had to be because Winnipeg couldn't pay the raise of the five times five point six two five million per that made trading cop a necessity. Again, not the path I'd have chosen. Now, if Winnipeg was sitting with a long-term signed 
Pierre-Luc Dubois, 24, who, if you don't have occupying second center after first center Mark Shifley, 29, it's because you have Dubois at first center. Truth is, the one-year $6 million Dubois has one year next as a restricted free agent to find a way to lock up long-term, or he needs to be traded. Additionally, Shifley's buy into the team last year was insufferable to watch, and I hope Adam Oates told him as much because as that one playoff run Shifley had, that player is a top NHL center, and the version last year was nowhere close to it. Trading Shifley was an option, never on the table, and not advisable if Dubois isn't staying. Likewise, if you look at cops under $6 million and Dubois right at 6 AAV. Well, to be honest, Cop at second center behind one of the two Winnipeg to start this year would have been the better organizational decision. Dubois clearly is going, and it's several years till Cole Perfetti can assume a top six center spot. Cop would have bridged that and could have while Dubois was in Winnipeg for the time being, slotted on the left wing in the top six, and Nick Ehlers switched to play his off wing. Ehlers puts up 25 goals a year doing it on his off wing consistently like he did last year as it is. How the Jets could have afforded to do that was by moving Captain Blake Wheeler 35, even with some salary retention, to accommodate it that would have freed up the two million raise required to keep Cop, who was a two way player that probably would have lights out excelled under new coach Rick Bonus and who had 21 goals between Winnipeg and the New York Rangers before signing as an unrestricted free agent with Detroit. I kept saying when Cop signed his deal, that's when I would evaluate Winnipeg's trading him away, but the Dubois play to test unrestricted free agency, Copper needed to stay in Winnipeg, and I did ballpark he would ask and get $5 million plus AAV and told Winnipeg fans who would listen that requires he plays top six, and he usually would be slotted as Winnipeg's seventh best forward option, except last year, Cop was top six value and can play center, and if either of Scheif or Dubois or both depart, while Cop is quietly a guy capable of that second-line center spot, that, especially if the wingers are elite, a Cop center line would produce. So near to 5.5 million Cop's five-year deal is, that's good return. That regress from top-six value Wheeler would have freed up the needed raise for. But again, that didn't happen. Either way, Adam Lowry, 29, at third center, is a lock, and he is an NHL third-line center. As for who is the team's fourth-line center, well, it's one of the left centers competing to play on the fourth line, or Gagne. That's my guess. We'll circle back. Point is, for now, the third-line center left wing who could play up the lineup isn't available in COP and has been replaced, I suppose, the prospect Winnipeg got back in the trade who isn't ready to play up the lineup. It's not an improvement to the forward group. In fact, let's simplify it. Was Scheifele Wayne Dubois at center and left wing's Kyle Connor 25 and left wing can play right wing Nick Ehlers 26. Winnipeg has four players of the top six it needs. Like I'm talking three forward player breakouts beside good years from those four required to make this quote-unquote bubble team get in. Even at 1604, 5-on-5 time on ice a year ago, Blake Wheeler's time on ice needs to be a minute shaved down for best usage by a full minute more, third liner value, and additionally his top unit power play time, cut. And how likely Winnipeg does that is doubtful. Remember the two spots 
needing top six wingers are both right wing unless Ehlers plays his off wing. On left wing, slot KC and Nick Ehlers, then Morgan Barron, 23, the near NHL-ready prospect return from the cop trade. I put Jansen Harkins, 25, fourth line left wing. However, let's note this bottom six left shot center overload organizationally. It's Morgan Barron, Jansen Harkins, Dominic Tondonato, 28, and additionally David Gustafson. That's before Winnipeg signed Sam Gagne, 33, who I slot at fourth line center. Although, as a right shot, I kind of would rather see him on right wing more so than a left shot playing the off wing. So, any of those could play fourth line center with another on the natural side wing. Absolutely all won't play unless injuries. I also left out Cole Perfetti, 20. That qualifies, but after Ehlers as the next best left wing option to play right wing to compensate or address Winnipeg's having, you guessed it, no actual top six right wingers on the whole roster. Great roster construction, by the way. Back to what should be the third line minutes for Wheeler alongside Adam Lowry. What then of the top six with Ehlers on his natural left wing and no Andrew Kopp to slot up if you make that move and put Ehlers on right wing? Well, most depth charts will slot Mason Appleton 26, just side of 2.2 million AAV on a new three-year deal on the third line. However, I look at Apple's two-way game play and pace of play prime age and see the opportunity to slot him up with Casey and Scheife in Wheeler's old spot, but likely you will just see that retread trotted out, not Apple's. Appleton had 22 goals at the AHL level, and I think reconnecting him with KC probably would boost his point production, and it also probably defensively helps Shifley, whereas Wheeler's continued drop-off, and he can't do it like he used to by comparison. That's a roster flip on the right wings needed with the available personnel. However, it still leaves second line right wing open. Now you can move over Ehlers, but you don't have a left wing like, say, Paul Statsny anymore either. Just like Cop, as Stats signed a one year, $1.5 million deal with Carolina, who nicely then could draw in. There are several bottom six players, no matter how you shake, that aren't ready to just yet, if they ever are. Perfetti then. That's the other left shot center that, heck, even Cap Friendly put at right wing on the second line. In some ways, the only way around it would be still having Statsy under contract, playing center, and moving Shifley a right shot from center to wing. Of course, Shifley would go off his rocker, but look at Matt Shane on the top line wing, not at center in Nashville last year. 40-plus goals, while the other winger put up 40-plus as well with Mikhail Granlin as the center. What's Dubois between Shifley and KC on the wing going to produce? We'll never know, I guess, because putting Shifley on wing isn't ever considered. Point is, Shifley has top six value at center or right wing. Appleton relegated to third line, likely. Wheeler at this stage of his career suits that spot and top prospect Perfetti, a left shot center on the second line right wing, while comparables say Nashville's Philip Tomasino or Colorado's Alex Newhook are playing NHL minutes, but in more sheltered roles, bottom six ones as they develop. Maybe they bump up this upcoming year, but I'm not sure this year is a time for those two good comparable players. And Perfetti has way less NHL games played under his belt than those two because of missing last season with injury. 
This idea of bounce-back years and that Perfetti can replace the goal production of what both Cobb and Stansney provided to boost what was a lack of goal production from this Jets team as it was, while KC had near 50, and all of Scheif, Dubois, and Ehlers were just shy of 30 apiece. They put up their better share, and this team didn't make the playoffs. So simply duplicating those individual numbers needs secondary scoring, but with less proven players, like without Stats and Cop, who did. Both were 20-goal getters a year ago. Otherwise, fourth-line right-wing options potentially are Christian Reichel, 24, who I also like in his limited time at third-line right-wing last year before Appleton's return, or Winnipeg also added Kevin Stenland, 25, on a 750k one-year deal, who has playable value in a fourth-line role, and who I found a capable bottom six player when he was with Columbus. However, Stenland Truth is a right shot center that replaces unsigned Yevgeny Sveshnikov, who signed a similar 750k one-year deal with San Jose. Winnipeg's top six needs to be sorted out, and there are enough bodies to fill out the roster and even cover in injuries. And this year, it is in heavy left and right wing challenged, but it's more balanced. However, the top six right wing is void. That's still an issue, and that still does have a trickle down to being a bottom six issue. And there needs to be more production coming from secondary scoring. But again, it goes back to that yet to be determined trio of breakouts. So, say Perfetti, Appleton. Barron or Harkins or any of those other battling for roster spots. If you factor in replacing cop and stats production just for this group to break even, it can't be the top four of KC, Shifley, Ehlers, and Dubois alone, and trouble is, that's likely again to be the case. Who gets the opportunity to be in a position to impact point production can't be like, say, Christian Veselainen was a year ago, meaning they can't be given time and remain unproductive and not seize the position given, and a retread of what Winnipeg has done will be a step back, not a step forward. There is some pieces to really like in Winnipeg and a supporting cast that isn't constructed to boost up the elite parts. Secondary scoring is dependent on how Winnipeg's lines come together, and you wouldn't have me argue with too many fan variations because I don't think the forward group like the D group has the pieces that do show the path. There isn't one correct answer. The crux of the argument is that the structural issues with the GM all day off, shovel day off roster construction, is that it's flawed as it was a year ago, and actually with fewer proven NHLers to compensate for it this year. Even the most resourceful group of coaches can't compensate for it, and I certainly will be open to see what Rick Bonus does do with the group. I also won't hold it on him when the team arrives at the same place. Wheeler staying on has to be accompanied by a lesser placed role, yet the players needed to step up are just as a risk and less assured to find success if given the opportunity. A good not muted return for Dubois, who plans to move on, is required. The type of New Jersey trade of Taylor Hall, the Arizona deal, or the Matt Duchesne deal return, anything less, and well, forgive me, but the team will have lost in back-to-back deals in regression as Patrick Liney and Jack Rosovic was an overpay for Dubois, meaning Winnipeg's dealing him requires a real overpay by the team acquiring him for Winnipeg to find a 
break even. Why did Shovel Dayoff even get an extension on his job is probably a question better worth exploring. I'm not even devolving to having that conversation at present because, to be honest, there isn't a justification for him to be rewarded. And I certainly now have a low bar on his ability to get this roster right to really give any coach a chance to find a real cup contender result. A fan base told that a motivated and bought in Shifley is returning for the forward group while the D group still misses that top pair right-hand defenseman. It's otherwise too costly and doesn't have D pairings that complement each other fully. And that stresses the better D men like JMO to try to do too much to overcompensate. And they made no room, remember, swapping Capio Bianco as the 6th or 7th D-man in for the departed at the deadline Nathan Beaulieu. There are no roster spots available for any of the near-to-ready-to-graduate AHL cheaper D-options. Do they all clear waivers of the group that will require to? This Winnipeg team a year ago wasn't a playoff team rightly. They haven't addressed one area for real improvement by the GM. Not even status quo. Winnipeg is weaker at backup goalie. It's the same D group except Capio Bianco is essentially bully you, but the major issues remain unaddressed as the group don't complement as D pairings. So I wish new assistant Scott O'Neill, who will oversee this area, all the best, and it's not on him with what Chevy provided. And the forward group misses top nine, but top six capable vet Paul Stansney, 21 goals, and prime age 20 goal getter Andrew Kopp, 13 of those last year in Winnipeg. Where's the 30 goals to break even from this not playoff bound team and then the additional scoring so they can be a playoff team arriving from? Talking to Jets fans, they think Perfetti is going to put line A type goal production playing in the top six. It's not even assured Perfetti is given that spot. And that's an assumption based on the coaching staff that was completely overhauled. You have to have blinders on if you expect better results for this at best playoff bubble team in Winnipeg that remains. That's best case, but all indications is when Hellebuck isn't in net, Winnipeg likely won't win and the wheels will finally come off. The trade returns for forced wanting out of Winnipeg players rarely turn into signing long-term players for Winnipeg, while the departed players find a way, true by New York and Line A and Columbus, to stay with their new teams. Just as two examples, something in Winnipeg about who should be kept, such as Cop, who wanted to stay in Winnipeg, lost trying to hold on to players who don't want to play in Winnipeg. Was an extra year of Truba worth not keeping cup finalist Ben Sherratt for? And better Winnipeg, why isn't that the Barry Horowitz pat yourself on the back before taking the loss in minutes? Pro Wrestling Reference, knowledgeable Canadian hockey market conversation you are having with the direction of the team. The focus point is wrong. Wish top four value Sherrod and Myers out of Winnipeg while Bufflin packed it in and the team slow rolled dealing Truba that one of those two gone for no return could have bridged the D group path. What I'm tired of is Winnipeg organizationally saying that it doesn't have choices as if Shevel Dayoff's hands are always tied. They aren't. But as we look at players who depart over players kept or have been brought in and see the results, how on earth did Winnipeg extend a GM? And secondly, why after so many first-round U.S.-born players 
ask out of Winnipeg, although in fairness, the Finns seem to finesse their departures as well of late, but why the U.S. borns the latest upon graduation wouldn't even sign right-wing Nathan Smith, to be clear. Why do the Jets draft another U.S. born player with their first-round pick? Or additionally, slow roll with their affinity for drafting fins, but not letting them get to the show. And then repeatedly use the same draft template and draft a new crop more. Sure, some have stayed, but just as many haven't. And what gets players motivated to come is simply the best chance to win it all. A draft and develop team has to retain those great first round picks to always be in that spot to attract the complementary pieces to put them over the top. Yes, that's a challenge for Winnipeg in the market they're in, but that can't be the default excuse. And for the criticism of Chevy, I worry if Winnipeg fired him, they probably would turn and hire Jim Benning to replace him. And that would evidently be going bad to worse. Market challenges can't always be used as the reason bad decisions were made. And honestly, Winnipeg has consciously made decisions that have them arrive where they are at. Yet, the fan base continually gets gaslighting expectations and promises like this past offseason changes would be made that were followed by crickets to address the areas the team really needs to. And while how things divisionally go with Dallas and Nashville factor in, I also see a more competitively tougher Pacific division next year that the Winnipeg status quo minus will be more challenged by with only Chicago divisionally tanking on purpose otherwise, but they were below Winnipeg a year ago in the standings as it was. I have Winnipeg projected six, just flipping backup Comrie's 10-5-1 mark for Riddick's expected reverse win-loss total and no area the team improved in, a slight 15-20 goal offensive drop potentially, while new put in more defensively sound team systems to be improved under Rick Bonus. That system's understanding, the buy-in to it, and the execution is going to take time, and the regression should get Winnipeg closer to 500 than they were a year ago. I mean, unless at year's end, the top players duplicate great years and several more have career years, and they find the magic void of this team in its consistency. I see Winnipeg next year's kind of somewhere way closer to San Jose's 77 points of last year, but below Winnipeg's 89 points. In fact, a 34-38-10 record, I'll predict, 78 points. That probably really depends on other teams with how near to the NHL basement that makes Winnipeg, but definitely outside looking in, but further removed from them. In fact, a slow start for Winnipeg might be the tipping point to deal Dubois on a future heavy deal and trade away some other pieces to, in fact, get into the lottery conversation rather than fall just short of the playoffs like they did last year, but still too far up the standings to land a top three pick in the 2023 draft. That would be a better outcome and fate with a team really set to miss the playoffs for a consecutive season as Winnipeg's poised to. 
moving Hellebuck makes no sense after letting Comrie walk. However, playing Riddick more could help the results negatively by comparison without dealing your starter. If anything, Winnipeg GM Shoveldayoff needs to make the changes his roster construction requires to be competitive. His track record doesn't indicate he will, but... Just saying the team will do better with the same personnel, and I'm not sure any of the top players at KC, Ehlers, Jamo, and Helly can do more than they already are, and like a year ago, it doesn't make this team a playoff group. I sure won't set expectations on the offseason that has just happened in Winnipeg because that indicates regression at all positions or the status quo that we know didn't elevate to get the job of being playoff bound done a year ago has anything changed doesn't appear to have except a new coaching staff and in fairness to rick bonus as the roster is now not sure the best of best coaches could break the formula to make this a playoff team and even overachieving it's not getting to the conference finals as it's constructed and that comes straight back to the newly extended gm Prepare for another long, cold winter in Winnipeg. Next up in the September series, Dallas. you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want i'll have an old-fashioned i'll have a margarita now you can with the bartesian home cocktail maker bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button choose from over 50 different cocktails from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today you'll always get freshly mixed perfectly balanced cocktails with the bartesian cocktail maker and now get bartesian's best black friday deal ever at bartesian.com holiday entertaining the Bartesian is ideal for parties. No need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes. Every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds. The Bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail. Now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever. It's available right now, only at Bartesian.com holiday. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com holiday for Bartesian's best deal ever. Only at Bartesian.com holiday.